What's going on, Internet Land? If you landed on this podcast, you're either a member of Journey Church in Colleyville, Texas, a friend of mine or Pastor Jeff's, or you're a new Christian or non-believer looking for something to fill your time in the car, on the way to work, or while you mow the lawn, or whatever. However you came across us, I'm happy you're here. I'm Garrett West, and I'm the host of Resonation. I plan on releasing one of these monthly out into the ether as Pastor Jeff and I tackle difficult topics and hard questions that new believers and skeptics may have. This first episode is kind of a scratch-the-surface, we-don't-really-know-what-we're-doing episode, so you're going to hear us jump around from topic to topic, but have some pretty heartfelt and insightful conversation as well. As we go further in this series, we will try to rein it in and dive a little deeper But I'm excited for the process. I absolutely love talking with my pastor, and I just want to invite you guys into our world for a bit. Resonation Podcast, Episode 1. Commence. Um, So, real quick, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Garrett West. I am a musician. I am a teacher. I am a member of Journey Church. Here with me is the pastor, uh, the head pastor of Journey Church, uh, Pastor Jeff Strickland. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Jeff. Hey, Garrett, man, it's good to be with you guys. I'm excited about this. Uh, as Garrett said, my name is Jeff Strickland. I'm the, the lead pastor here. I've been in ministry for 28 years this month, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of something like this. It should be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. So uh, real quick, Jeff, why don't you tell the people how you came to become a Christian? What okay. brought you to Christ? Okay, yeah. Actually, I was born in the church. I tell people a lot of times that uh, I was I was in the church nine months before I was born. My grandfather was a pastor. Um, I'm a third-generation minister. But when I turned 18 and I went to school at the University of Houston, I I walked away from faith. Um, I just wanted to do my own thing, and I kind of walked away from that and uh, started playing in bars. I was playing a lot of different places, doing a lot of things like that. And then uh, through a series of, of events, God opened my eyes to my need for him and his love for me. And I came back to faith in 1993. Yeah, 1993, came back to faith and uh, built a relationship, started my relationship back with the Lord where it needed to be, and then found myself in what God had called me to in ministry in 95. Very nice, very nice. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of similarities with you on that, uh, you know, being the fact that we both have musical backgrounds. You know, I'm a, pretty much been singing since I could talk. <laughs> and I got my start actually in uh, the Southern Baptist Church uh, that I grew up in, um, you know, just kind of singing hymns and stuff with, uh, you know, the kids choir and, you know, just singing. Like we would do every now and again, we'll like do like a solo singing performance if you felt so called to do so. And when I was a kid, anytime I could get on a microphone and sing, I was all about it. Make it happen. So whether I believed in it or not. <laughs> Um, I got baptized when I was a kid, I want to say probably about seven or eight years old, um, but I didn't understand it. Um, you know, I, I, I came from roots where, you know, very, you know, blue collar, redneck roots where you kind of just going to church is just what you did. Yeah. And, you know, I, my, I would say that my family are definitely believers and they, they're practicing Christians, but there are times where it's like, I didn't necessarily feel like I grew up that way. <laughs> I was always at church, but, you know, it was kind of iffy on whether or not we were devout. Um, we did a lot of praying. We still pray around the table, and it's just kind of like a cultural thing for us. 
So I kind of grew up not really understanding why we went to church. Uh, when I got baptized, I just wanted to get dunked in front of everybody. I thought it was cool. <laughs> chance to get wet at church? Chance, yeah, chance, yeah to, chance to play in the swimming pool up there in the middle of the <laughs> church. Um, but, you know, we did surround our, like, the good thing about our church when I was a kid is, you know, it very much was a community. It was what a church is supposed to be. Yep. We, we were neighbors. We were friends. We were family, you, you know, teachers. Um, you know, businessmen, firemen, you know, the chief of uh, Gainesville Fire, I grew up right next door to him. He was, you know, still is a really good friend of my family's. Uh, we went to church with them. You know, it was just everybody was very close-knit in that community. And then uh, when, uh, when we moved, my parents split up, and we moved across the state to, you know, my mom moved to me and my younger brother and my older brother to Houston. And she remarried, my dad remarried up here. And we kind of, that's, that's when, you know, the teenage years, you start to really get angsty and not understand why you have to go to church. Absolutely. And that's, I feel like the time you really need that guidance. And I want to say that we didn't get the best guidance when it came to the church. Sure. Um, we had some new church people in our lives, people that we didn't necessarily trust or understand and while we had some significant relationships that stemmed from that church um, there were also some significant things that took us away from a, a strong relationship with Christ and when I wound up graduating after high school uh, I moved to New York and kind of just walked away from the faith Wow. Um, just because I was for the first time seeing people and meeting people that weren't Christians, you know, because I grew up in the Bible Belt. I'd never experienced Jews. I'd never experienced Muslims. Oh, yeah. I'd never experienced Buddhists. I've never experienced anybody who wasn't uh, a Southern Baptist or a Pentecostal uh, person or a Church of Christ person. I never experienced anybody who didn't believe in Christ. And I had my beliefs challenged. And it was enough for me to say, you know what, I don't think I necessarily believe this. Mm -hmm. I held that belief probably up until, I call it the gospel of I don't know. I preached the gospel of I don't know up until probably a little over a year ago. Okay. When I became, or actually, I, I want to say it was a little bit before that, but I wasn't you know, going back to church or anything. It started for me when my daughter was born. And you being a father as well, you know, when your kids are born, you start to, things just start to click as far as the, the idea of unconditional love that I never really Absolutely. understood before. And I kind of started to understand the love of God. Now, I didn't really fully get back into things until my wife's father, uh, Mr. Brett Flory, who's a member of our congregation, started coming here. Mm -hmm. And... We started coming with him sparingly. We came every now and again, but it wasn't an every Sunday thing. And then I think we started coming pretty, pretty consistently whenever, uh, right around the time my grandfather passed away, a little over a year ago. Okay, that sounds about right in yeah. my head, yeah. And the reason for that being is the fact that he was one of the most godly men I ever knew. Never heard the man cuss. He was just a wonderful person to everybody he met. Um, he was, in my opinion, the definition of what a true Christian should be. Yeah. So Christianity had always been skewed in my eyes, except for with that man. Yeah. So 
as I started to you know, find myself back in church, hearing the word with a new perspective from the perspective of a father, I started to understand it more. I started to understand where my grandfather was coming from all those years. Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. So, Yeah, I think when you start to see that, that idea of, you know, you look at your daughter and you'd move heaven and earth for your daughter. Absolutely. You know, I look at my kids and now I'm a grandfather, which mm-hmm. is just crazy because I'm, I'm not near old enough to be a grandfather. <laughs> but, I, you know, I would do anything for them. And you could see God's love for us through that lens. It yep. does change things. It re- absolutely, it does. Absolutely. So, you know, in my years of not walking the path, I've met and still hold a lot of wonderful friendships with people who aren't technically believers. Sure, I do too. And in the, in the world of heavy metal, you have, I mean, there are some Christian metal bands, but for the most part, you got a lot of people who have been hurt by the church and, and have a lot of questions for Christians that, you know, they feel like don't make sense to them. Sure. Um, so we have asked uh, a few people to send us some of those questions and one there, there's two significant things I felt like in our first episode we should probably address and that is who is Christ and why should I care right mm-hmm. why why does this have any bearing on my life if I'm just a good person why do I need to follow this judeo-christian tradition right, right? So why should I believe in Yahweh and not in any of the other numerous gods or religions? Let's start there. Okay. You know, I think for me, first of all, I, let me just say, for anybody that's asking questions, I applaud that. Yeah. I think there are some people that get really weird that they think, well, man, you know, God would be angry with me asking questions. And that, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the, the fact is God created us with an ability to think. Yeah. He's open to that. He loves us asking questions and wanting to understand and, and dig deeper. So if you have questions, just right off the bat, I applaud that. I really, really do. Um, I, you know, when I think about just the identity of God, because Yahweh is the, the Hebrew name for the, the God of, of Christianity and of Judaism, mm-hmm. Yahweh. And so Jesus, his son, and, and then you start looking at all the the doctrines that go into Trinity and how they're, they're three but one and all those things. But for right. me, just kind of going very basic, the idea of, of understanding who God is, I think you have to look at it from this vantage point of knowing that he has always been. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, that's a, kind of a hard thing to wrap my mind around, to be real. Yeah. Simply because, in my mind, everything has a beginning and an end point, and God has always been. Yeah, humans think in terms of linear time. Absolutely. And God is, exists outside of that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think, you know, looking at, like, the idea of, of causality, and I don't want to get off of the question. I'll make sure I'm standing on the question. But the idea is God exists, and he created something. And the creation came from something that existed. Right. You know, and the idea that, that there was something there, and the fact that that everything is so incredibly detailed. I mean, scientists have even said that, that if just a couple of things were off, I mean, just say two dozen properties in the entire universe are off, it, we would have a completely different universe than what we have now. Right. So the idea that something existed, but it was also intelligent to create it the way that it did, is a pretty amazing thing to think, for me to think about. And then to think about that, obviously, if it created the universe, then it's powerful. And so to me, if it's timeless, if it's, um, if it's immaterial, if it's intelligent, if it's powerful, that's what we see of God. That's what the scripture describes God as. Right. And so 
to kind of get back to the question, um, which you did a great job of answering what God is, why is it Yahweh and not any of the other numerous gods that have been talked about over time? Like, why is it not Zeus? Why is it not uh, Jove, which are basically the same thing as Zeus? Right. Ra, the sun god, you know, Odin. Like, why is it not any of those gods? Why is it our god? I think most of those gods fall into more of a polytheistic, you know, Ra, right. uh, Odin. A lot of those gods are polytheistic. And some of the oldest written documents that we have show of a monotheistic god. So that helps to start with. Um, and there, there are all kinds of things as far as the way that it's dated out on, on when the material was written, the documents that were written to, pro, to show who he is. Mm -hmm. That was there um, from the language that it was written in, the material it was written on, to date it, to help us understand. Right. So the original basis would be a monotheistic approach. Monotheistic meaning one god. Okay. Polytheistic is multiple gods. So right. that kind of eliminates a lot of those. So the real, the big issue then for a lot of people come in is the difference between Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Christians, of Judaism, and Allah, who is the God of Islam. That, to me, is probably where we start looking more of a, how do I know it's Christianity, not Islam? Well, a lot of people would say that Allah and Yahweh are one and the same. Is that not the case? No, it's not. Uh, they, they have some similar characteristics in some ways, but vast differences, too. See, so if you go back and you start looking at uh, the way it's all laid out, and I've got some thoughts here, I want to make sure I get this correct. Okay. Um, when you start looking at the difference between Allah and Yahweh, you'll start to see some pretty significant differences. Okay. Uh, first of all, they, while they do share certain pieces, like as far as um, uh, Abraham is in both stories, right. both the, the Islam... Because it, it comes out of Abraham's lineage. Okay. Uh, Jesus shows up in the Quran. Yes, I've okay. heard of that. Yeah, he is in the Quran. But if you do a real cursory reading, just a simple cursory reading of the Bible and of the Quran, what you'll start to see is the descriptions of Yahweh and the descriptions of Allah are very different. Okay. Character, the way they're wired, um, their disposition, their behavior. There are a lot of things that are very, very different at that point in time. Okay. So, uh, again, it's common characters, common thoughts, but very different themes, different conclusions okay. between Allah and Yahweh. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, the, you mentioned that Jesus is in the Quran. Like, what is, what is, what did the, the Islamic people believe about Jesus? He was a good man. He was a, he was a prophet, uh, a, a Jewish prophet, um, but there's, there's no divinity. Okay. Jesus. So we as Christians believe that Jesus was divine, correct? Correct. Okay. So we as Christians believe that Jesus was God in human form, correct? Yes. Okay. So a lot of people that may not understand Christianity or, you know, Jesus or, you know, never even heard the name of Jesus, they hear the name Jesus Christ. What does that mean, Christ? That is the, uh, that, the Christ is the anointed one. It's the Messiah. Okay. So, so it's, it's not a last name. No, it's okay. not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's his title for lack of a better word. It's defining who he is. Okay. You know, and but you're right. The name Jesus or the Hebrew Yeshua mm -hmm. is a pretty common name in those days. Right. So how do we know that Yeshua that we believe the Christ 
was the Yeshua that everybody in the Bible was talking about and not one of the, like different stories about the many different Yeshua's sure. of yeah. that time. Great thoughts, great questions. I would say, you know, first of all, we understand that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, okay? Right. So what we, we need to understand is there's a ton of historical documentation um, that, that is shown in the scripture itself, first of all, the first four books of the Bible, or of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay. all those the Gospels. But also, if you start looking into a lot of Roman history, Jewish history, the governments, there, there's tons of material, including some of the rulers at those times, specifically speaking of Jesus in that time frame. Uh, you'll also see there's a lot of extra biblical evidence. So when I say extra biblical, I mean outside of the biblical narrative. Okay. talking about Jesus in that role. And some of them were actually oppositional to Christianity. So it's not all um, sunshine and daffodils, right. you know. I think one of them was Tacitus. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Tacitus, uh, Josephus. Josephus, yeah. He did some. Um, uh, Celsus, Celsus, excuse me. Um, so there are several that, that actually were somewhat opposed to Christianity, but still wrote of the, the validity of Jesus the Messiah. Okay. But I think one thing that, that I just want to throw out that I thought was really kind of neat is uh, there's an apologist by the name of Josh McDowell. Okay. Do you know that name? I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's more Baptist in nature. Okay. But anyways, he, he shares that of all of the Old Testament messianic prophecies that prophesied of the coming Messiah, the chances of one person, which Jesus did this, but the chances of one person fulfilling all of those was one in 10 to the 17th power. And he said the good way to kind of get a feel for that is if you were to take silver dollars and pile them six inches deep and cover the entire state of Texas and take one of those and mark it and then blindfold you and place you somewhere in Texas, the very first silver dollar you touch would be that marked one. That's one in 10 to the 17th power. Oh, wow. So the same type of odds that one person could fulfill all the Messianic prophecies is same, the same odds, and yet Jesus does that. So on on our historical pieces, on all of these different prophetic pieces all come together to show that Jesus is the Messiah. So the, like the Bible's the first hyperlinked text. Yeah, and to think about that, it was written over, uh, I don't remember the exact time frame, I want to say it's like 1,400 years with 40 different authors in three different languages. Um, and to be able to do that and cross-reference itself like that. And how many times does it cross-reference itself? Oh, man, I don't remember. I think I read somewhere it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 65,000 times. That's what I'm thinking, but I didn't trust myself to say it. I actually looked it up. It's 63,779 cross-references. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah. I knew north of 60,000. I, I, I watched a video the other day, and, and they were talking about it. They had, like, this big, like, rainbow-looking thing. Yeah, that, I saw the video. It has, like, a graph. <laughs> And, it, and it's all the different cross-references, and it says somewhere in the neighborhood of 65,000. And to think about one author, if one author were to do that, we'd call that person a genius. Right. But to do that over 40 authors, over 1,500 years with three different languages on three different continents. Right. That's insane. That only could be divine. And in speaking of insane, um, I, I mentioned to you earlier that I was uh, rereading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Who, Great book. Um, you know, those of you guys who have never heard of C.S. Lewis, he was the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the author of the Screw Tape Letters. He's got several books on Christianity. Um, very, very insightful person when it comes to peeking into the mind of somebody who wasn't always a Christian. No, he, he was not. an atheist for a very long time yeah. uh, throughout his young adulthood. He wrote Mere Christianity, which is, in my opinion, like the apologist handbook. 
the handbook. And I, I've, I've been revisiting and, and reading that uh, this past week. And there was a quote that I wanted to pull out of that that just popped out at me. I was like, you got to share this. Um, he says, uh, toward the beginning of the book, when he's describing who Jesus Christ is, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And I was that person for a little while. Sure. I always said, yeah, yeah, I feel like he's a great moral teacher, but I don't know if I can believe that he's God. Um, let me continue. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level uh, with the man who says he's a poached egg, <laughs> or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come uh, with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Yeah, just mind blown. It is. And I love it. But just the, the fact is, when he was killed, he was killed for a demon. The Pharisees that killed him thought he was a demon and that he was being sacrilegious for saying that he was God. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely heard people say, oh, he never mentioned that he was God. That, that's wrong. Yeah, no. He says it quite he, often. He quite, yeah. He um, calls himself the son of man, son of God. The son of man, he says, um, before there was Abraham, I am. Yep, yep. So he himself says, I am, which is what Yahweh means. Yep, I am that I am. Exactly. I am that I am. We're actually going through, if, uh, if you're a member of our church or you're somebody who kind of tunes in here and there, we're actually going through that series right now. We are. Uh, the names of God and what they mean. I wanted to go into our next topic. So why should we believe this Christian story over any other Judeo-Christian story? I mean, we know that the Bible is cross-referenced more than any other book. Are there any moments where there are issues where one person's story doesn't quite line up with, the, with another person's story? Most of the contradictions, if you will, or discrepancies, if you will, are really between two propositions. And, and here's what I mean by that. You can read in the scripture where it'll say something like, Jesus descended from Abraham. Right. And then another place will say, well, Jesus descended from David. And so people say, well, there's a contradiction. Is it Abraham or David? Well, they're actually both true because the line goes from Abraham to David to Jesus, that, that whole genealogy. So I think you start to look at that. A, a contradiction to me is where you see kind of a, a proposition and, an, and its negation at the same time. You know what I mean? So it, it's always used at the same time in the same relationship. It's real important to understand what comes across as, as a discrepancy in the scripture is not understanding both sides of that coin. Okay. Um, that's kind of where I would say, so some of the things that we see in the scripture where you'd be like, well, this says this, this says this. You have to try and understand the perspective of it coming about. For example, uh, critics say that James contradicts Romans. Right. They'll say that, you know, regarding the subject of justification, because James 4 will say Abraham was justified by faith alone, not by works. But then James also says that Abraham was justified by works and not exclusively by faith. Is that a contradiction? And I would say no, because Romans 4 does teach justification before God by faith alone. But then James teaches that he was justified by, by faith or by works as a result of faith. 
So it's, it's kind of an outflow piece. It, I think it's one of those things where you try and kind of start looking at it from the different positions and the different positions of the riders instead of thinking that it's a true contradiction. Right. And, you know, some people say, well, if you have that many people writing a story, you know, what's to stop it from being contradictory? Like, it's not God that's physically writing the story, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't have a pen, is a quote I heard <laughs> once. Yeah. He that's the beauty, is he inspires man. And that's how it's got all the 65,000 plus cross-references, but he inspires men to write it. But he doesn't take away their personality. Right. He doesn't take away their, their vantage point. He, he, right, he operates inside of their gifts. And that, so you'll see, like when Jesus is on the cross, one, one of the gospel writers say, he said, I'm, I thirst. And then one gospel writer says that they dipped in, in uh, I believe vinegar is what it was, offered it to him, he drank it, turned away from it. One says he turned away from it. One says it was offered. Well, it's just the different vantage points. The, if you put the whole story together, he was offered it, he took it, and he turned away. Okay. It's just different vantage points. So let's kind of steer it back towards how did he come to be the Messiah? What does that mean for us? He is the one that God has set apart to pay a price for the sin that we're born with. And he was set apart to minister to people and to do things that, that no human could do, but because that's the divine side. But the, the sacrifice he was going to make had to be the human side as well. Okay. So that's why you see the duality of he was both 100% God, 100% man. Now, it also mentions that he is a descendant of David. How does that factor in? That's part of the, the messianic prophecy would be that, because back when David was put on the throne in Israel, mm -hmm. back in, you read this like in First uh, and Second Samuel, you'll see a lot in there. When David was put on the throne, part of what's called the Davidic covenant was that God told him that somebody out of his family would sit on the throne of Israel. And so the Messiah would come through that line that lineage, that genealogy. Okay. So Jesus being a son of David, the scripture will call him that, calls him the son of David, he's the son of Jesse, who was David's dad. That's that very strong patriarchal type of culture that's important because that was one of the messianic prophecies that Jesus would come through that line. Okay. So Jesus comes from the line of David through which parent, Mary or Joseph? Joseph. Joseph. Okay, wasn't Joseph not his father? Right. <laughs> no, it's that. No, I'm, 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 I'm totally throwing these questions out, like yeah. knowing full well what the answer is. Yeah. But I just want to. Yeah. No, he was not his physical father, but he raised him. That's why the Christmas story is the census was called, and every man had to go back to his hometown. That's why he went to Bethlehem. And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is another one of the messianic prophecies that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, even though he's from Nazareth. Okay. So you get the line of David, he's born in the city there of Bethlehem. So it's all, all of these different prophecies are all lining in, but it had to go there because Joseph was in the line of David. Okay. And wasn't Mary also part of the line of David at some point? You know, that was sounds it? right to me, but I'm not 100%. So real quick, we're going to cut in again. Mary was from the lineage of David since she descended from David's son, Nathan. So the lineage of Joseph and the lineage of Mary match with the same names from Abraham to David. little fun fact. Okay, back to the pod. I've, I've definitely seen there's two different lineages uh, in the Gospels. There's one that comes from Mary and there's one that comes from Joseph. And the one that comes from Joseph, I believe, is uh, Matthew. Yeah, Matthew lines out the whole genealogy of Christ 
from basically Abraham. Okay, and I think Luke is a lot more in-depth on Mary and, and her life. Yes, yeah. Uh, because it also talks about her relationship to uh, John the Baptist's parents and Correct. how she spent her, isn't John the Baptist, who's his mom's name? Was it Elizabeth. Name? Elizabeth. Yeah. Okay, so Mary and Elizabeth spent time together when they were both pregnant with John and Jesus. Correct. And um, John the Baptist's father was cursed with silence because he doubted. Yeah. And all that. It's, it's a very interesting book, that Luke. I'm telling you. And you know what? He is actually, Luke is actually known as one of the most detailed and one of the best uh, biblical historians. Luke was a Greek doctor. Correct. So he wasn't even Jewish. Mm -mm. He was a Gentile. Yep. He was a physician, which a lot of his uh, accounts come from a physician standpoint. Yep, a scientific right? standpoint. Scientific standpoint. Um, but he was a student of Paul. Correct. And he traveled with Paul. He wrote the right. book of Acts. Okay. And so he was with Paul and all those things. The neat thing about the Gospels is they all are targeting different audiences. Matthew was targeting, Matthew was Jewish. He's targeting the Jews. Mark was very much to the Romans. That's why it's very short, succinct, just the facts. Yeah, I definitely remember that one yeah. being the shortest one I yep. read. And Mark, bam, 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 just details. Luke is very wordy, but he's writing to the Gentiles, trying to explain to them those things. John's John's uh, a different creature in comparison to the other three Gospels. Right. But, yeah. yeah I don't know if y'all can hear the uh, subwoofers or anything from the next <laughs> room. We yeah. got some uh, people practicing the drums. Yeah, the band's about to be working for Sunday. That's awesome. Right. So if you read through a lot of those Gospels, Christ will actually talk about himself using Scripture Absolutely. from the prophecies. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it, I always found that interesting as I read through all four Gospels. You know, those are... And also talking about the consistency between the Gospels. You have four different people, four different perspectives, and almost all of them he mentions the same prophecies mm. throughout. Yeah. I always found that interesting. And he seemingly comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. He's an, he's this nobody guy, this nobody carpenter, which is not a very esteemed position in right. society, who comes out of nowhere, born of a virgin, that people at the time probably didn't think that Mary was a virgin. Oh, no. They probably thought of her as an adulteress. So poor neighborhood, Nazareth was not an esteemed place in, in Israel. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Scripture even says uh, to the disciples, right? Because I found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth, and he said, and the one disciple says, "What good thing can come from Nazareth?" Yeah, yeah. So not a good area at all. So not a good area comes from an uh, an unwed mother, and starts going around preaching this new doctrine mm -hmm. that people have never heard. And going around telling people he's God. Yep. Which, like C.S. Lewis says, is either you either have to take it for what it is, he is God, or he's a lunatic, yeah. <laughs> or he is pure evil and needs to be extinguished, yeah. which is what the Pharisees thought of him. Yep. Now, what always baffled me was the fact that the Pharisees were preaching these things but they weren't necessarily doing what, what they preached. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when Christ called them out on it, that's when they got more angry rather than, you know, him saying that he was God was their reason. That was the final straw, if you will. Right. The thing about the, the Pharisees was 
they were so bound by the, the laws, they were so bound by, you have to do it this way, you have to do it this way, because there were 613 rabbinical laws, all in an effort to try and please God. Yeah. And when Jesus shows up, he's like, hey, look, that's not how you please God. That's not how you worship, that's not how you do any of this. And he turned that whole religious system on its ear, and it totally freaked him out. Right. And then when, yeah, you're exactly right. And this guy was born, he was literally, he was born in a manger, he comes from a poor family. You're exactly right. Man, it changes everything. And he, it just shows, it goes to show you that God is not concerned with your societal standpoint. Yeah, not at all. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care how dirty you look. Mm-hmm. I mean, those of you guys who are listening, you can't see me. I'm covered in tattoos. I've had my fair share of judgment passed on me. I'm sure. Um, it's not a fun thing. No, I bet not. There's a lot of Christians out there, and I want to let you guys know, there's a lot of Christians out there that don't necessarily behave in that way. And that's something that we're trying to do with this podcast. We're trying to alert people to the goodness of Christians. Like yeah. Christ, the, the church should be there to help lift people up, not tear people down. Yeah. So if you are out there and you feel hurt by the church, feel free to keep listening. Overall, we want you guys to know that you are loved. Absolutely. You are cared for and that you have a purpose. And it doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, what your social economic standpoint is. uh, God has a purpose for you and God loves you. And if you just take the time to listen and seek him out, he's going to completely move mountains in your life. He will. And, you know, I think for some people, we feel like we got to get all of our ducks in a row, get all of our, our junk together before we approach God. And God doesn't ever say that. Right. He says, you come to me and we'll figure it out. Yep. We'll, na- we'll navigate this stuff. You know, and I, but I think it's really good that you brought up the idea of, um, you know, the, you're covered in tats. You, just, you made that statement. Yeah. I don't have any tattoos. And the only reason I don't have tattoos is I'm a baby with needles. For real. Yeah, yeah, what's uh, n- not many people know this about your family. Uh, a lot of the women in your family have come to my wife, who's a tattoo artist. Yes. Including your mother. My mother. <laughs> my 70 year old mother. She's got, I feel like, three tattoos now. You know, I love and it. My, my daughter has three or four. Both of my sons do. And yeah, my, my only objection is, is I'm a baby to paint. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, we should see the, the love first and if you're listening to this and you've kind of been hurt in the church and you've walked away from that let me just say on, on behalf of people that, that really want to please, please Jesus and live a life that follows Jesus and I'm really sorry for that I really hate that and I, I when Garrett brought this to me I was like man let's jump on this because I want to see opportunities for people to meet with Jesus to meet the Jesus that I know and love and serve and not what's been portrayed by a whole lot of people. Right. And let me go ahead and I guess we can wrap this thing up with the words of Christ. Um, Christ himself said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Yep. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Those of you guys who don't know what a yoke is, that's if you were uh, driving ox, that's like the uh, thing that connected the ox to the plow. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. So Christ bears the burden for us so that we don't have to. And ultimately, when you boil everything down, there's a lot of complexities in the Bible, and we're here to kind of try to break those down a little bit. But when you boil everything down, all it means is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he came, he suffered for us so that we don't have to in the long run. Yep. That's not a free pass to go and do whatever you want, but those who accept that do better in their lives and they want to do better for others in their lives. Yep. If you truly are living a life that Christ wanted you to live. And we're here to help people understand that. Absolutely. Okay. So, Jeff, I think this was a pretty good first episode. I had fun. I enjoyed it. I had fun. I'm looking forward to doing more. Yep. And we will see you guys later. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I had a fun time scratching the surface of who Christ is in that episode. If you would be so kind as to follow us on Instagram at ResonationPod, and on Facebook at Resonation Podcast. If you found us on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe. Much love to you folks, and God bless you all.